Why is it we humans get romanced by complexity when the answers can be found at a simple and practical level? This is the Simply Practically Human podcast, where the human manager, Mark Labasque, features experts who have a track record in humanizing workplaces, using simplicity and practicality as their go-to approach. It's all about getting back to what it is to be human and watch workplaces thrive rather than just survive. Hey there, it's Mark Labusque for the Simply Practically Human podcast. Um, this is a bit of a spin-off series and I'll just a little story behind that. A couple of weeks ago, I had Craig Harper on my podcast and we covered a whole lot of topics. And um, just last week, as I was in my home gym doing a bit of a workout, I get a, a LinkedIn message from Craig saying, give us your phone number, mate. I've got an idea. And uh, I was really excited about that. And um, and Craig rang me and we'll talk a bit about on this podcast about his impression of the way I answered the phone and a coaching moment that he gave me, which was terrific. But in essence, he said, mate, you know what? We should do a little spin-off series, uh, maybe five, six episodes, see where it goes. We'll co-share them. I'll put them on my U project, the U project. You put them on yours. And um, we'll just chat about some different topics. So this one that we did today, which um, is all about the topic of building deeper connection. We also talk about some other things as well, maybe some things that happen during the week and that are related to that. But in essence, how do you build deeper connection? Why is it that human beings are wired for building deeper connection? Why is it that we turn up for a second catch up with someone rather than um, go like, you know, had the first one, nah, didn't feel too good, and then have stepped away. I'm going to talk a lot about the culture of helpfulness and that, you know, I'm calling it out uh, now that Craig is being very, very helpful for me right now in regards to making his time available to run some of these podcasts. It wasn't something that I expected, but uh, as he said today, I've become his friend. That's that's wonderful. I might start calling him Harps at some point in time and not Craig, but just why helpfulness is such an important thing. We rounded out today building some deeper connection again with um, both of us just sharing a personal story on who inspires us. So again, sit back, have a listen. I think you'll pick some really good things up. I certainly do every time now, even though it's only the second one. Every time I talk to Craig um, or Harps, I, uh, I learn something new, either about myself or about him or about the world. So sit back, have a listen, take some notes and uh, we'll catch you at the end. Delighted again, only after a couple of weeks to have the great human Craig Harper back on the show. Craig, thanks for joining me, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. Look at us, like a couple of gangsters just rocking up again, just doing the damn thing. It's good to be here. And and it's on a Saturday morning in our beanies and um, <laughs> yeah, ma- almost matching beanies, but I'll if have pe- to get if that. If people could see what we're seeing, they'd think we were two middle-aged dodgy fuckers about to do some kind of armed robbery or something because <laughs> I'm wearing flannel, you're wearing a black T-shirt. We've go- both got black beanies on and we look somewhat shifty, not like two deep thinkers who are about to, de- you know, explore the depths of what being human is. It, uh, yeah, it's it, I, it's a bit rude. It really is. Hey, um, let's kick off with why this has happened because I got a, um, I got a message, a LinkedIn message from you the other day and it just said, hey, mate, what's your number? I've got an idea. And, uh, and you called me and I couldn't have started things off any worse than what I did with the way that I answered the phone, which was Mark Labusque. 
<laughs> and uh, and then you were like, "Fucking hell, mate!" Like, <laughs> what what the fuck was that? So, just can you just quickly explain that before we get into the topic? What what went on for you when you heard the way I answered the phone? All right. So here's the drill, right? So I had an idea, and I decided I would talk to Mark about my idea, and I'll tell I'll share why the idea came about. But anyway. So the guy that I met on the podcast a week or two ago was great energy, up and about, charismatic, interesting, curious. I'm like, fuck, this guy's all right. And then, then I ring this bloke. It's like, Mark LeBusque. I'm like, fuck, have I run rung an undertaker? Is this bloke <laughs> in the mob? Like, <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I gave you a hard time. My dad always told me you can only make one first impression, mate. So you better make a good one. Well, that was a shit one. But luckily, that my first impression to you was well, not via the phone, but via a LinkedIn message to ask you to come onto the podcast. For me, which was what was really good, was that um, you gave me what I call a micro-coaching moment, which was, hey, mate, you're not representing yourself. Now, now the beauty of that is that no one else says that to me. So <laughs> I don't know any better until someone goes, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And, yeah. um, and and that's what you did. We had a conversation. The thing that I loved, I, I'd mentioned in that podcast we did that, you know, I was somewhat starstruck by having you on there because of the You Project and the amount of listens versus the amount of listens on this one. And and you said, hey, mate, I want to help you get your, get your numbers up. And the word that really stuck out for me after we got off the phone was the word help and this idea of helpfulness. And I wanted to start here today and, and just get a sense from you about I get a sense helpfulness is a really important part of what Craig Harper's about. Why Why is it such an important thing for you? Oh, well, let me go specifically to why I did that and then I'll answer that. So I, I'm probably on five podcasts a week that are not mine and I get lots of requests, which is nice. And I do generally, I in fact, this is the today being we're recording this Saturday, the 3rd of July. Today is the first day I haven't put up a a podcast on my platform because I do seven days a week. First day, I haven't done that for months and months. So so my schedule's relentless. But when I met you, you know, and then I heard you told me the numbers that you were doing, but I chatted with you and I went, well, this guy's smart and he's a good human and he's doing good stuff, but he doesn't have too many listeners. That's a shame. Shame's probably not the right word, but but you know he deserves more listeners, and the quality of the show is great. I've been interviewed by much bigger podcasts than yours that weren't nearly as good as yours. The conversation wasn't as good, and from a production side of things, your audio, everything is really good. It's well put together. So I look at everything. Obviously, the the guts of anything is the conversation and the value for the listeners. That's what really matters. But then there's the other stuff that. Like we don't want the audio quality to be dog shit and we don't want the overall production value to be low. And and you tick lots of boxes. And so I wasn't being totally magnanimous when I contacted you because my idea was because we shared that conversation that we did, your podcast, we shared that on my platform and it was a good episode. And I thought, why don't I see if Mark wants to do you know, a series which we're going to do maybe five, maybe six. We'll see how we go and then take a break and maybe do more down the track or maybe never again. But where we just have once a week a conversation 
And what that means is I can give Melissa and Tiff, who work for me, a break. They don't have to do one episode. Mark gets an episode, an extra episode each week. Hopefully, a few of my listeners will jump on for you. And it's win-win, right? So I think it's possible. And there are times when, there are a lot of times when, you know, I do things which are purely strategic because this is a business thing, but also more for me, especially in the last 10 years where, like, my life is good, my business is good, I've done pretty well, thankfully, I'm very grateful. And so when I see people who are talented or even people who are just trying hard and I can help, I like helping because I think, you know, I think we need a purpose for me anyway. I I think when we become better humans, not just more efficient or more skilled or better output, but when we become better humans is when we have a focus and a purpose bigger than ourselves. And so the more people I try and help and serve, and I know this sounds naff and I know this sounds cliche and bullshitty because a lot of people say stuff like this but don't necessarily walk the talk. But I really believe when we actually do show up for others, really, not not just words, but we show up for others and we serve and we help. And obviously there's a threshold, there's a limit to that because you've got to look after yourself too. But it gives me joy to see you develop and your show develop and your influence grow and all of those things. Like, why would that not make me happy? You know, so it doesn't need to be me or Mark. It doesn't need to be me or anyone. And this is, you know, the funny thing is I always say to people, I tried selfishness. It doesn't fucking work. (laughs) I gave it a good crack for a long time, right? I was, when I was young, I was all about building brand, business, money, blah, 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 blah. And it was it was all very, and there's nothing wrong with, of course, uh, building a brand and business and earning lots of dough. But you actually do better when you don't obsess about the money. You do much better, and without trying to sound too strategic, when you're not focused on you. You know, you care for you, but you also care for others. Mm. And, and I, look, I'm grateful for that because... It was interesting after we'd done the podcast and I'm thinking to myself, geez, I, I, I wonder when it should be that I'd contact this bloke again and have a chat. I wonder if he want to talk to me. And and I look, my sense was that you would, but there was some sort of reluctance in me. And, and it sort of leads into today's topic I wanted to touch on a little bit, which is about this human desire for connection and how we build real connection. And and one of the great challenges of that I find is is that second connection. It's like, you know, you have that first, it's like the first, you've had the first date with them, you've had the first catch up, it went pretty well, but then you go like, fuck, how do I reach out again? Or do you reckon they're going to want to talk to me again? What do you think helps the second catch up to happen or potentially sort of kills things off at the point? What 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 is it about the human condition that that goes... I might reach out to that person again. What's going on there? I mean, there's got to be some kind of chemistry, I think, and by that I don't mean romantic or sexual or physical. I mean some kind of cognitive connection. You know, there's got to be some kind of emotional or there's got to be some kind of synergy between the two people. I mean, probably like you, I met a lot of people and it doesn't mean I want a second catch up with everyone and that's not because they're bad and I'm better. It's not that at all. It's just that that's that's run its race. I had, I told you before we went live, I had a meeting yesterday with a quite a high profile person in Melbourne down here for an hour and a half. And 
it was great and I might see that person again, that guy again, or I may never, and without being rude, doesn't matter to me. Yeah. You know, I think if there's going to be something that's valuable for both people moving forward, or even if it's just one person helping another person for a while, that's one of the reasons. But I think too, just you need to be aware that you're not, and I'm not talking about you here, mate, but I'm talking in general, because I've done this myself when I was younger, that you're not pushing something that the other person doesn't want. Yeah. Because then that just gets creepy and annoying. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, where you gotta go, <laughs> mate, you gotta pay attention. You know, if you've rung them nine times and they keep saying, I'll get back to you when I'm free and they never get back to you, they're telling you they're not going to get back to you. So don't keep ringing. <laughs> you know, you got to, you also got to be aware. But I, I think that we like hanging around people that we respect or look up to or that we want to uh, be like or learn something from. You know, it's like, some people have an energy I, and, and I can't even explain that, but like I've got friends who I just love their energy and it's not because they're going to teach me something or, or there's some strategic benefit in this relationship or it's like my mum. Obviously, I love my mum, but my mum has this ridiculous, weird, funny, awesome energy and I love being around her and not yep. just because she's my mum, but there's something else that goes on as well. Yeah. Interestingly, using the word energy, this isn't my thing. This is something that I've heard along the way, but it's that old idea of energizers and drainers. Mm. And, um, you know, this is a challenging thing for me because I do try and work to the five in, five out every year. It's five energizers in, finding people that Mm. – and and there's this interesting thing. How do you – what's the magic? What's the secret sauce? Sometimes you don't know, but how do you find those people – do they find you? I think the drainer one is becoming one that's more obvious to me now. It's like, fuck, I just don't want to hang around that person anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's like that thing of the nine nine phone calls and, you know, no, you know like, I'm not going to do it type thing or I'm not going to come away with you or do whatever because you just start to lose that. How do you work in that space if you're thinking of connection? I don't. I guess for me, I'm I'm more organic. I don't really. I'm not really that strategic around it. But I do have one question that I share with people that I think is a good question to ask. Read this, and I call them energy vampires. And yep. and it doesn't mean they're, which is definitely not my phrase, but it doesn't mean they're bad people, right? Sometimes energy vampires are your fucking brother. You know, yep. or your sister, or your, let's hope it's not your partner. That could be problematic. But, you know, my litmus test is with anyone, and now I'm not talking about in a work sense, I'm talking about in a personal life sense to start. My litmus test question is Is my life better with this person in it? Yep. And if the answer is no, <laughs> or at least as good, it's as good or better. Now, I'm not just talking about people that we intersect with and interact with by virtue of our work situation or these are incidental connections, not that, but people that we consciously bring into our inner kind of space, you know. I think that needs to be really a thoughtful process because wanted or not, those people are influencing you, you know, and your energy is not finite and your hours in your day are not finite. So you need to figure out who am I going to let in? Because when you let them in your life, you let them in your head and heart, Yeah, right? It doesn't matter if you want it or not, it's going to impact you. So when you hang out with people whose 
energy and story is largely negatively focused, doesn't matter how how resilient you think you are, that's going to impact you in some way. So, like I, even those people, though, I, I love people, and and I don't say that insincerely. I do, but I'm also mindful that I need to self manage. I need to manage my mind, body, spirit emotions really well because if I don't get great sleep, if I don't hang out with great people, if I don't meditate a bit, if I don't move my body, if I don't give my body good food, if I don't hydrate my body, if I don't spend time in stillness, if I'm not learning, if I'm not doing these things for me, then I'm not going to be the best version of me, which means I can't serve anyone. So that sounds selfish, but it's actually generous because if I'm in a great place, then I can be a good coach, teacher, leader, podcaster, friend, and empowerer of others. That idea of self and selfish, I just, um, I I put out a monthly little newsletter called Mark's Musings and and the first article in that newsletter this month was, is it selfish to be selfish or to practice self-care and all of those things you just talked about, the response to that's been pretty overwhelming. The emails that I've received from people saying, fuck, I needed to hear about this right now because I spend so much time in the service of others that the cup is empty for me when I'm trying to turn up and, and, and expend energy or whatever it might be. I just don't have any because I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating well. I'm not moving i'm not doing the things i want but um but, but there's an expectation that i then go out and do that for others and it's got to be pretty damn hard so so this idea that i don't know about the selfish being a bad word because i i look at it this way that in order to serve others you've got to serve self you've got to start with self you do because you're the platform your energy your physical mental emotional energy that's your fuel right if you have no fuel you're fucked you can't build a business brand. You can't help people. You can't serve people if you're fucked. You know, so let's get you great. This is not selfish. This is, as I said, generous. So one of the challenges I reckon, Mark et al, et al, that's our audience, is with very generous, compassionate, kind people. I don't know that that's me, but my friends that are absolute givers to the point where they fuck themselves up, right? Because they don't they deplete themselves and then they become no good for anyone for a while. Then they've got to regroup and restore and regenerate and recharge and then they're back. But there tends to be waves and cycles, right? So I talk about this idea to people and I used to talk to my staff, my trainers. And remember, I employed hundreds of trainers. So this this concept extrapolates out to life and business and service to others And I used to say to my trainers, because when you're doing one-on-one training, it's essentially one-on-one coaching face-to-face, but we're talking about mind, body, emotions, nutrition, lifestyle. It's a pretty big thing. And you're with one person for an hour. Then you're with another person for an hour. Then you're with another person for an hour. So I, for many years, did give or take probably 10 or 12 hours of that per day for a very long time. And I just built up a level of resilience and resistance and a threshold where I could do that. And I could be, I wasn't 10 out of 10 every session, but I was pretty good because I built the endurance. I built the cognitive, emotional, and physical endurance to be able to do that. Right. So I used to say to my staff, how many sessions can you do per day with your clients and be 
somewhere between very good and awesome. Yeah. Right? Now, if the answer was after I do three or four, I'm fucked, I'd go, well, three or four is your limit. I don't want you booking five or six because what are you going to say to five and six? Listen, you're going to get a six out of 10 today because I've already done four others. So even though you're paying the same money, you're not getting the same value because I'm a bit tired, my head hurts and I can't focus. So I think the question we can all ask ourselves with everything that relates to work or effort or energy or output or services, what's my excellence threshold? Yep. And what that means is how much of this thing, whatever this thing, this service, this skill, this task, how much of this can I do and remain myself in a good space and also before that thing that I'm doing turns to shit because I'm turning to shit. So I know that I can't study four hours straight for a range of reasons. So I know that the way that, like for me, my excellence threshold is probably around an hour. So what yeah. I do is I do about an hour, then I fuck around for an hour or 30 minutes. Then I do another, maybe it's 45 minutes and I fuck around for another. But me just sitting there for hours on end reading academic journal articles, I'd rather punch myself in the face, right? It's not my natural habitat. However, you give me an all-day conference where I've got a 1,000 people and I'm the guy for the day, I'm on fire for 10 hours. Yeah. So my threshold is different with different things and my energy and, you know, so this is part of, yes, it's part of self-development and self-management, but it's also that thing that we've spoken about a bit, which is self-awareness, which is understanding self yeah, and then creating a, an operating system around that understanding and that awareness that works for you. Thanks, mate. I like this idea. I can relate around this sitting for. I, I practice a skillful art of work avoidance. The shit I don't like doing, mm. I can sit there and do that for half an hour, and then I'll be like, "Fucking shiny thing just flew past my face," yeah. <laughs> and I and now I'm going to go and go and do that. Yeah. But but you put me in a room with people for two days, yeah, and. That's where the energy comes from. And I think going back to this idea of, I think the fascination I have with that that human touch, and, you know, I've seen some of your stuff with thousands of people in the room and you go, I wonder how he connects to all of those people, but it's the energy that you bring, I think, that, that does that. And you get in a room with human beings and all of a sudden my curiosity switch goes on. I want to know more about them. I mm. want to connect with them. And the other thing I then want to do is, and this is where I was sort of getting a bit to today is, finding the commonality. So, you know, when we first spoke, and one of the reasons that I really wanted a a second opportunity was we both grew up in the country. We both love a fucking crazy TV show, Jumbo and Fatty. Mm. We both had these nicknames that, you know, if you call people that these days, you'd, even you're a teacher, you'd probably get sacked. Mm. And I think some similar beliefs around embracing discomfort, facing into fear, getting in the ring, the different personas and curiosity. So then you're going like, I want to connect with this guy again. And what is it when you get into that room and, you know, that energy level fires up and that that willingness to connect happens, can you just talk a bit about what is the human condition that has humans wanting to continue to build connection? I think, you know, we're social creatures and we're historically tribal creatures, although that word tribe has been smashed. And like there's definitely something, you know, historically, if you weren't part of a tribe, 
you would die quite quickly because <laughs> the environment we live in now is pretend. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like for the vast timeline of humanity, 300,000 years, virtually nobody lived the way that we live now, you know, contextually to all the people that have ever lived. And so, you know, back in the day up until, you know, not that long ago in terms of the evolutionary timeline, you needed to be in a tribe or a group or you would die. Yeah. Either uh, an enemy would kill you or an animal would kill you or the environment would kill you or the weather would kill you. So you would be killed. So we have it in our DNA that we need to be part of something. And so I think that sense of connecting with people and belonging to people and with people and being in a room of other people where there's perhaps, you know, like-mindedness and connection and I guess we see ourselves in others. I think that as a byproduct of everything we've been through as a species, we're very, very strongly social, which is why, you know, you think about somebody in isolation who has you know, and we saw that in COVID, uh, for better and worse, some people thrived, some people struggled. But, you know, like I, I'm fortunate in that I've lived by myself since I was 17 and I've never been married. So I'm wired for solo, right? Yeah. So that's 40 years. But, you know, my story was I spent eight months because we were locked down for, we were locked down for six at one stretch. I spent six months where not one person came to my house. I didn't train in a gym. Now, this is a guy who trains every day. I couldn't do any gigs and it's a guy who that's his job. I didn't hug anyone. I didn't have a coffee face-to-face with anyone. Um, and for me, who's very fucking resilient, independent, that was a stretch. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to walk outside and hug some passerby. I'm like, mate, I'm sorry. I just need a fucking cuddle. <laughs> you know, let's just spoon on the couch for a minute. Then you can go home. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's who we are, mate. And like the funny thing is we live in a collective mindset, especially in 2021, culturally and anyway in Australia where success is about what you have and what you earn and what you drive and where you live and what people think of you and your bank balance and your brand and your shit, all that stuff. And all that stuff is neither good nor bad. It's just resources, right? It's great. But then apart from that, it's our internal bank balance that that struggles. It's that emotion. It's that connection. It's love. It's care. It's someone giving a fuck about me, you know? And mm. that how beautiful is it when you give uh, yesterday morning I was at the cafe and I was standing behind this tradie waiting to order my coffee and I'm, done, I'm not saying this to sound good or bad, it's it just what happened. And he went to get it, he couldn't find his card and he's standing there and he's fucking around, he's looking in all his pockets and he's pulling shit out. Then he said, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll find my card. And he stood aside and I went up and... Um, I bought mine and I bought his. Literally cost me $4.50, right? Well, he couldn't understand why this nasty-looking bastard in the beanie and the flannel shirt, like he's, oh, mate, thanks. Why'd you do that? I go, well, because you need a coffee, mate, and you haven't got your card. He's like, really? I go, of course, of course. He's like, really? I go, mate, it's four bucks. Relax. (laughs) You know, but just this human doing something for a human he or she doesn't know. And I didn't do it for effect and it wasn't a plan. It was like literally there, I was, I'll stand there with my card. 
I go put that guy's coffee on mine instead of four fifty. It's nine bucks. Boom. Yep. But what you do is you maybe change someone's day. You maybe change someone's outlook, and at the very least, you just do a good thing. So I think this this thing of pulling down the walls of division and separation and, oh, we're this and we're that, you're that, and fuck, you don't believe what I believe, so I'm a vegan and you're a carnivore or I'm liberal and you're Labor or I barrack for Carlton and you barrack for West Coast or, you know, to me all this stuff is just hurtful to who we are. And so connection is it's part of our DNA. Without connection and without interaction with others, we might not financially die but spiritually and emotionally i think we die a bit yeah doing good like that i really love that idea of like you know the surprise for that for the guy the trader he's like why would you do that mate well i just because i'm not looking for anything out of it but you're in a situation at this point in time i'm going to help you out the helpfulness again there and I'd, I'd love that he would go away and be thinking that that might spark something for him now to go it doesn't mean that I have to pay it forward at some point in time, but if I if he comes across that situation, I bet you mm. he'll help someone else. Because there's something in that too, in connection, is it actually fucking makes you feel good too, doesn't it? Of course. And it's, and it's not like this idea of I'm going to walk around every day and do it because I need to do something like that to make me feel good, but Jesus, it feels good when you help someone out. Yeah. 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 And I think sometimes, you know, we get swept up in success and succeeding. And when we talk about success and succeeding, generally we're talking about, you know, KPIs and numbers, right? But what if success is just about being an awesome human? Like what if success is about being content and calm, irrespective of your efficiency or your productivity or your bank balance? What if success is about what's happening in your internal world, not your external world? What if success is about what people can't see, not what they can see? We're so obsessed with what other people can see, yet all that obsession about, you know, impressing people or living up to some predetermined measure doesn't fucking help. Have a look around. How many people are depressed, miserable, anxious, medicated? Like whatever our current model is, it doesn't fucking work, you know, like nothing wrong with making lots of dough and building a brand. It's all good. Having a podcast with lots of people, all good. They're all good things, but let's not confuse stuff with wealth or happiness or joy or purpose. I can be, I'm an only child and I can be selfish. I had to recognize this shit in myself because I'm in some way, not selfish, but self-centered because I've never had kids or a wife, it's very easy for me to live in the Craig bubble. Yeah. But it's not a great place for Craig to live because I become too internalized. Yep. But when I have, when I think outside my space and I'm genuinely, and this sounds a bit, I don't know, whatever, mate, but it's, for me, it's true. When I come from a place of love, whatever that is, whether that's buying a bloke a coffee it's giving someone some attention, helping you a little bit, although you're helping me, so I'm grateful. Whatever it is, like there's no agenda. Yeah. There's no agenda. Like what is the most beautiful thing is when someone is doing something for someone when there's nothing in it for them other than the doing. Yeah. This is interesting. I want to jump a little bit back into the my time in the corporate world. But before I do that, I remember when I first went out about seven years ago to you know, left corporate, go out, set up my own business. 
some advice that was given to me, which I went straight away, it made me feel sick, was you should never arrange a conversation with someone without some sense of a commercial outcome that's going to arise from that. And I'm just like, fuck, I feel like I'm going to vomit. Mm. And if you go out like that, if you go out in the world and look, I, I, you know what, I like making money and I like to be able to do good things and all that sort of stuff. But geez, if I went out with that attitude that, you know, that's what's going to drive any conversation I have, the sort of connections that I'm going to make are not going to be great connections. I want to go back to your KPI thing though. We've been working with some clients in the last six to 12 months and um, <laughs> talking about just being a good human. What's it like when you're a good human? And so we talk about that. And I think what's happened to them in the corporate world is they've been brainwashed into being a good human means achieving my results and, and getting all of those things you talked about before, the good car, the, the big house, the big office and all this sort of stuff. Interestingly, when they start to focus on being a good human, they start to find that good things happen to them. Again, this isn't my saying, but I keep saying, I said to someone yesterday, good things happen to good humans. Mm. And because this person was surprised, good stuff's starting to happen for me. Mm. Like people are listening to me now. The people that weren't listening before, we're working better together. I, I seem to be better in myself. I'm, I feel, and I'm like, well, that's because you're being a good human. And I think you're connecting to what it is to be human, which is the two things I look at, building deep connection and a stronger sense of belonging. Mm. And I just find it fascinating that, in the work environment, it's almost, we almost beat it out of people yeah. to do that because really what we're setting them up for is to be isolated through what I call the fucking competition of KPIs and getting my bonus and getting getting a score on my performance review that's better than, so, you know, Mark gets a four out of five, Craig gets a five out of five and Mark's got the shits on. So he doesn't want to work with Craig now because Craig's a fucking brown noser. Yeah. How do we break that? Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we we exist in two worlds, right? And and that's the and my listeners are sick of me using this term, but sorry, team. But the duality of the human experience is that we exist and operate in a physical, external, commercial, three dimensional, uh, money driven, business driven, you know, stuff driven world, and that's not bad. And then there's the internal world of thought and feeling, emotion and joy and pain and pleasure and goals and values and creativity and hope. And, you know, when the shit hits the fan in a person's life, for the most part, some kind of tragedy or event or or significant moment, they're never worried about the external stuff. Mm. Nobody's ever going, oh, fuck, I should have got the SLE, not the SL. Like nobody's doing that, right? <laughs> so what? like when it comes down to what really matters for humans, it's the internal stuff. It's feeling loved, valued, connected, having purpose, having faith, belief, joy, navigating a pain and, and creating pleasure and dealing with anxiety and stress and all of those things. So I think... That's the challenge, mate. That's the challenge is that we're, we live in two worlds. We live in two dimensions and it's, it's being able to navigate that. You know, I stand and talk to corporates. I talk about business. I talk about KPIs and outcomes, of course, because they're part of the world that we live in. And I talk about, you know, I plan. I plan my shows and I plan workshops and seminars and we rent spaces and we talk about bums on seats and we talk about profit and loss and we talk about the margin on the sales. And, of course, of course, 
but that's not who I am. That's my job. Yep. Right? So, you know, making heaps of dough, building a business, building a brand, building your online Insta, fucking whatever, all that shit, that's none of that is bad. We get confused. Like there's almost this, you know, shift away from making money because it's a bad, it's not a bad thing. Like ultimately what is money? Money is a resource that you can do stuff with. That's yep. like, what are you going to do with your, your resource, right? But in the middle of all of that, you can still be the loving, compassionate, kind human, right? But also the loving, kind, compassionate, aware human. That's not to be confused with weak. That's not to be confused with manipulatable. You know, if I'm your friend and I'm now your friend, so there you go, uh, you may or may not like that, but I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear to make you feel good. No. I'm going to go, mate, like the reason that I'm doing this with you is because, one, I like you. Two, you've got talent. Uh, Your knowledge is good. Your ability to, for somebody with limited um, experience on a podcast, you're really fucking good. You're better than average, right? So there's lots of great stuff and I'll tell you and support you and encourage you. But when you answer the phone like a fuck, I'll go, mate, don't do that. And you'll go, (laughs) yeah, good point, Harps. Thanks. Right? Because I'm not interested in making you feel good. I'm interested in being your friend and being real. I'm not interested in how great does Mark feel for the next five minutes. Because that's weakness. I'm interested in how the fuck is he going to develop and evolve and learn and grow and build him and just like I am with me. Because we are such a fucking precious culture at the moment with some things and quite rightly a lot of things are being brought, you know, all of the issues that need to be brought to the fore are in terms of discrimination and the way people are treated and we're dealing with that which is great. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about those of us just navigating life where every time something a bit hard happens, we capitulate and crumble. Yep. Well, that doesn't serve anyone. Like, yes, we want to care for people and be empathetic and kind, but also we want to help people to be able to build resilience. And if every time I go, hey, Mark, uh, you have a breakdown, well, I'm not the problem. No. Because I'm one, I'm being honest, and I'm I'm telling you something that might, if you listen and don't have a breakdown and go, Craig's a prick, yeah. you might go, Well, actually, is what he said true? Forget is he a prick, forget how I feel right now. Is it true? Well, it's true. Well, shut the fuck up and deal with it and get better. Same with me. You know, by the way, you didn't do anything. I think you you handed up a bit. You you weren't that bad and I wasn't really offended. I was just, I had a laugh because you <laughs> sounded somewhat brutal, you know, but, but I know that that's not you. Yeah. You know, but I think that understanding that I'm, you know, the Bible says you're in the world, but you're not of the world, you know, and I hate mm. wheeling out scripture, but, you know, and I think that's it. We're in this place, but we, we're part of it, but then on a level we're not. Thanks, mate. I, I've got a new friend. I like that. I've got a leadership superhero. His name's Marty Linsky. He, um, he he created the adaptive leadership framework with a guy called Ron Heifetz. And I was fortunate to, it was pretty cool because a fucking bogan like me got to go to Harvard for about eight days and, and immerse myself in this adaptive leadership piece. One of the big quotes that came out of that is leadership's about telling people what they need to hear and not mm-hmm. what 
they want to hear and 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 I sort of live by that even though some people can accept it and other people can't including myself at times it's like fuck I don't want to hear that so then I'm going to have to go away and think about it put the mirror up and go yep maybe maybe or not just maybe that's absolutely true that's absolutely true I can remember a time as a younger manager where fuck it was all about me mm. And I would do whatever I could to climb and to get to where I wanted. And then you talk about things happen, life-changing experiences, different things go on and you're like, fuck me, do I really want to just, that's what I wanted to be. I just wanted to be a state manager by the time I was 30. That's, I just, it's not the who I was, it was the what I wanted to be known as, which was a title. So mm. what do you do, mate? I'm a state manager. Mm. It's like, you're not even 30 yet. Mm. Well, that's tick a big box on that, but that didn't mean that I was necessarily a good human being. But I'll tell you this at the time, I don't think until I got to mid-40s and I went off to this program at Harvard that I'd ever really looked at that thing of if people told me what I wanted to hear, they were in my circle. Mm. If people told me what I needed to hear, mm. they could fuck off. Mm. And that doesn't get you hanging around the right people, I don't think. Oh, that's very humble of you and very self-aware, you know, and the truth is we all want to protect ourselves and, you know, telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. So one, you're right. And I say that, you know, what I need to hear is not necessarily what I want to hear. What I need to do is not necessarily what I want to do, right? The only caveat I would put on that is that you also need to be discerning and wise. Yes, because you can't just blurt out shit to people because you think they need to know it. Yep. Now, you're a big boy. If you crack the sads because I say, hey, mate, what's going on with that, right, then I would be very surprised, you know. But at the same time, you know, there are a lot of things that I won't say to people, not because I'm scared to say them, but because I know it won't help, yep. right? Yep. So there's two parts. That is, yep, you know, I know that I have insight that could, if you were open, potentially really help you. Well, I think I do anyway. I believe I do. And my motives are good. However, I also can recognize in this person right now that they're not open and they don't want to hear what I have to say. Like the amount of people who will tell me a theory on something that they are completely emotionally bought into that theory or that ideology or that philosophy that I think is bullshit. I won't tell them I think it's bullshit because I don't want to spend the next hour in a debate. Yeah. And also because I know they actually don't want their mind to be changed or their uh, ideology to be challenged. So in the moment I go, is this a good use of my time and energy? The answer is no. Yep. I don't want to coerce someone to change anything and neither can I. So I think there's that there's all of these uh, axioms that we talk about and these concepts that we talk about, but we also need to have an asterisk next to all of those and say, yeah, given the right situation, given the right moment in time, there would be some people that, a lot of people that what I said to you about how you answered the phone, I wouldn't do that because it wouldn't be well received or it wouldn't work or it might even do some damage. And yeah. so- 
yeah, there's that whole thing of being, and that's, you know, part of that is about my research, isn't it? Understanding how others perceive you, knowing when to say what, when to shut the fuck up, when to talk, when not to, you know, is it okay that I swear in this situation? Is it really inappropriate? Can I have a joke with this person? Do I need to be, you know, straighty 180 with this person? Do I need to turn up the science language or turn up the user-friendly language or what needs to be, you know? So, and that stuff, that intuitive, instinctive stuff, mate, that's the stuff that it's pretty much impossible to teach, but it's possible to develop yourself when you start to pay more attention to other people and genuinely, genuinely listen to them rather than wait for your opportunity to talk. Yeah. Another Linsky-ism which comes to mind when you were talking then is meeting people where they're at. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely critical. It's like, you know, I, I know when I'm in a room and, and i got 12 in the room, they're sitting around on, there's no tables in the room, I work in just the chairs and you've got a guy there with his arms folded tightly and you can see the whites of his knuckles and it's like, well, I know where he's at and he's fucking not here. He doesn't want to be here. So I'll... I'm going to let him find his way in over time. But there's other people in the room who are sitting forward, big eyes, and they're just wanting to develop. And that you've just, you've got to meet people where they're at. And then the second one is it's the intention that you turn up with. Mm. So, you know, I don't want to tell people what they need to hear if they're not ready to hear it, as in meeting them where they're at. But secondly, am I doing it to be helpful Mm. or am I doing it to be harmful? And, you know, I've worked in both of those spaces. And, it's, and you can do it, but I tell you, one of them feels a lot better than the other. Mm. Um, just back to finishing up with connection, there's this really cool little video that, that, that I use, which was passed on to me by a dear friend called Take a Seat, Make a Friend, or it might be called Strangers in a Ball Pit, where two strangers in, a, in some sort of town square in the USA, they get into a ball pit, those, those plastic balls you see in those, you know, the kids' oh, play yeah, areas, yeah. and there's all these balls in there and then there's some bigger ones with questions on them. And they're simple questions like what's on your bucket list, who inspires you, life-changing experience, what would a good day look like for you? And they simply just sit there, two people who don't know each other, and they ask each other questions and there's this – Beauty that happens in that as they keep asking questions, they start to find commonalities in the experience because they spend time doing that. I use it at conferences and things as well. And what I find is people who have been working together for a very long time, they actually go, shit, I didn't know that about you. I didn't because they actually hadn't taken the time to have the conversation. I wanted to just play around with this for a moment as we continue to build some connection like you know, there's the question like who inspires you, a life-changing experience, bucket lists. Why don't we wrap it up by having a go at one of those questions? Sure. Let me talk about who inspires me. So if I wanted to get really specific, broadly speaking, I'm inspired by people who we might categorize as not being hugely gifted or talented, who may not have many resources, who may not have much support, who may not be ideally situated to become a success who become a success. Yep. Right. And when I say that, I'm not talking about made the most money or got the biggest brand. I'm talking about, you know, like John, who I train, a friend of mine that I've trained for three and a half years and rehabbed him through uh, the worst accident ever where they, you know, 
They said he would die. He got blown up by gas bottles and said his chance of living was zero. And if he did live by some miracle, he'd be severely brain damaged and a quadriplegic. And that's where we started. And three and a half years later, I've trained him three days a week for three and a half years, five months he spent in hospital, started training him in a wheelchair with very little function. And now he drives his car to the gym and walks with a stick, right? Yep. Now, for me, he inspires me more than anyone. Yeah. You, you could tell me, you know, I can go and have lunch with Elon Musk. He will not inspire me as much as this dude, mm. right? And Elon Musk, I love, right? But so people that, you know, my mum's had cancer three times. She had to have two major surgeries within eight days of each other, which should have been done six months apart. But if she waited, she'd die. And that was when she's 81 now. That was when she was 79. She went down to about 38 kilograms. Uh, she had five months of chemo. Her hair fell out. She couldn't eat. She had, you know, all the symptoms I won't run you through because some of them are pretty gruesome. And in the middle of all of that, never complained. And every day would ask me how I am and how I'm going and am I eating well? Yep. Like my mum is, for me, a hero. Yeah. And so much a better person than I could ever hope to be and so much stronger and more courageous than I will ever be. So for me, the people who might, you know, you think might jump to mind, they're not the people for me. It's it's people around me that just give me a level of self-awareness and perspective that I need because I can be an idiot. Thanks for sharing, mate. Interestingly, for you know, talk about like people that aren't particularly in leadership, they're like, they go for the the obvious type things. Two inspirations for me. I mean, I'm inspired by each of them. I've got three kids, 28, 25, yep, and 22. Mm. Um, but the youngest one, Zoe, who told us when she was about four or five, she was going to be a nurse. Mm. And she's a nurse now. And huh. she's, she's nearly finished studying. But so one of the reasons that inspires me is because I've, I've grown up with people who are, who want to follow a passion and they have a love for something, but they just go and do something else because it's expected. Oh. And I, I say this, I, I coach a lot of people who are miserably fucking rich beyond their own imagination. And, and I look at Zoe at four or five saying that, but what's got me just recently was she's starting to apply for jobs now as she moves out of her last year. And, and, and I didn't even know this, but um, the reason that she wanted to become a nurse was that Way back um, when she was six, my my wife um, was diagnosed with breast cancer and she had a mastectomy. So, and and I remember taking Zoe into the hospital one day at the time. Clearly remember this now, and they wouldn't let her go and see Alison because Alison had been thirteen hours on the operating table and pumped mm. full of fluids, wow. and she just didn't wow. look like her mum. Yeah. So they said, look, she can't come in. But Zoe's written her cover letter to go off to these hospitals and she tells the story about why she wanted to be a nurse is because on that day when they allowed me to go in and see Alison but they didn't allow Zoe, a nurse took Zoe off for about half an hour mm. and literally took her around on her rounds and she said that that, has, that inspired her. Seeing how she was helping people, from that moment on, she decided that she was going to be a nurse and she is brilliant at it. She is, yeah. she works in aged care now part-time. And so there's a massive inspiration Beautiful. from awesome, that. Mate. And you sort of think, you know, it doesn't have to be, 
even though these people do inspire me, like I think of like the Mandelas of the world and those types of things, it's just like the people around you. Mm. And, and, and then I think about that and I go, there's another commonality I've now found with my new friend that is we get inspired by things that aren't necessarily Elon Musk or Nelson Mandela. They're John. They're your mum. They're mm. my daughter. And that's like, fuck, that connects me more to this guy. So wrapping up today, always like to find a little bit more out about people. And that, to me, in some respects, solidifies my understanding of you and that mm. connection that we have. So, mate, this has been a 50-minute chat. Again, I've, I've loved it. And I am certainly looking forward to, you know, doing a few of these and just seeing where we go. But, Craig, thanks for coming on again, mate. Much appreciated. Appreciate it, mate. Let's see where we go. We'll do a few more. People might hate them. They might love them. Could be somewhere in the middle. We'll do our best. Just two blokes having a crack. It's what we do. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Well, that was a whole lot of fun. You know, 50 minutes or so of uh, conversation with um, someone I'd only really met a couple of weeks back. And, you know, we've started to build that deeper connection, sharing some stories, talking about the idea of selfishness and self-care and why it's important to fill your own cup up if you're going to be out there and connecting with others and, and, and giving that energy to others that you really need to start with yourself as well. You know, Craig's thoughts around why he wants to be helpful, his little story about the tradie this week. He didn't do it for, for gimmicks and for, to feel good about himself. He actually did it because just at that moment in time, someone needed help. So he helped him out and he, he paid four bucks fifty for his coffee. Just little things like that, I think, would then impact on, on that person. And maybe when they get the opportunity, they'll do something similar. You know, talking about the old idea of KPIs and, you know, business and making money and all those things are important, you know, commercial outcomes and that are important. But there's no secret that I think if you start with being a good human, as I said today in the episode, that good things happen to you. And I know that people who listen to this will be like, mate, we hear you say that all the time, but I certainly believe it. Good things happen to good humans. A little share at the end there about what we're both inspired by, not about people that are famous, whether it's Elon Musk and Nelson Mandela, but, you know, Craig talked about John. Uh, he talked about his mum. I talked about my daughter Zoe and, and why she inspires me and why she's inspired me with the pathway that she's been on since she was five or six years old, and that was to be a nurse, and and why, you know, staying on a path and chasing something down that you love and you're passionate about is is a great way to be rather than chasing other people's expectations of you and being miserable at the time. So this is episode number one of the spin-off series. We're going to come together four or five times over the next uh, four or five Saturday mornings and um, have a chat co-share these and uh, hope you get something out of it. If you like this one today, why not share it with your friends? And if you loved it, please rate it five stars and leave a little message as to why. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical and keep it human. Bye for now.